out of it. <laughs> and Jonathan wouldn't let me. So here I am. And um, about the Uganda team, I just want to say something about them. I really think there's seven individuals from Bluemont going out of the 11 total um, from the two combined uh, trips that are going to Uganda. And this is a faith-filled team. Like, we've had a few meetings. We've prayed together. We've fasted. And we are, like, ready for this trip. And I think um, it's like Aja and I, or my wife is Aja, and we've been packing the last week. And we've been getting more and more excited. Yeah, Aja's been packing for the last three weeks. <laughs> I've been packing for the last week. But she's an amazing planner, and I'm very thankful for that. Because sometimes I feel like my mom still needs to send me a, a packing list for this trip or something. <laughs> So yeah, but we're really excited because um, it's crazy that it's a mission trip and where the missionary is going because I almost feel like my life is going to be more impacted than I, the impact I leave there because it's a whole new environment. It's a whole new living situation. I'm packing like we're going to the Holiday Inn or something, but we're not. We're going to be living in the village in Uganda. So I'm really excited um, about that trip. And so for today, we're continuing in the series uh, that Jonathan started last week that's titled, You Can Help Your Team Win. And uh, the topic last week was having a clear and compelling vision for your life. And so I want to kind of piggyback off that. And today, this, today's topic or this week's topic is honor. And the title of my message is Honored People, Honor People. And I'm going to explain that here in a little bit. Um, a lot of you may have heard the phrase, hurt people, hurt people. And that's, that's another phrase, and that's where I got this phrase. But it's honored people, honor people. It's flip. We're flipping it around, flipping the script. And so I want to kind of start off with a, an example that might touch some of our hearts and might bring us back to some traumatic childhood memories. But imagine, remember when you were playing on the playground, it was recess or whatever, and you're playing soccer, some, some sport, and someone says, hey, let's start a game. You're like, okay, let's pick teams. Oh, great. Yeah. I know how this goes. Let's pick teams. So there's two captains, right? And, you know, you're standing there, like, looking around. All your friends are dropping like flies, getting picked. <laughs> and you're standing there. And then it gets down to two people, right? And you're looking at the other guy. And at this point, it's kind of like it's not even you're getting picked. You're, you're, they're really like, who do we want to deal with? Like, who, who's going to be on our team? You're not really adding much to the team, and it's like, we're stuck with you, right? So it's not, you're not even getting picked at that point. And so that's, that's very dishonoring. Like, that's not a feeling of honor um, in that moment. That's a really shallow example, but that's kind of the idea that we're getting at, is that is a very dishonoring moment, and that's not who God says we are. That's not how God picks us onto his team. He doesn't dishonor us in that way. And so I have one more other story that is very recent, um, in my wife and I's lives, and it's called The Dog Dilemma. And so my dad and my stepmom come to town. Yeah, there's some cute pictures. It's really sad. But so, so my, my dad and my stepmom come to town, and they've been looking for a dog, and they find this breed that they like. It's called a cockapoo. It's a mix between a cocker spaniel and a poodle. And so my dad, like, he literally, he's not really a dog person, and he typed in this website, like, filtered through every single characteristic that a dog could have, and there was one breed that came up, wow. a single breed out of the entire world that came up that would fit my dog's, like, or my dad's, my dad's requirements for a dog, and it was a cockapoo. 
So this is usually like a $900 dog, right? And my dad's friend in Colorado has two that they're giving away for free. And so they tell us about these dogs. And we're like excited about it. Yeah, like we want that dog. And so I got to flip back like seven months where we had Dog Dilemma Part 1. So in our apartment, we're actually not allowed to have dogs. And we figured that out the hard way because we were about to get a dog. We emailed our landlord and he's like, hey, I'm sorry. Um, you can't have dogs in, at College Heights, like only cats. So we were heartbroken and that was the Dog Dilemma Part 1. So like fast forward to seven months later, we're in the same situation where we want this dog. It's like really cute. It, it's got our hearts. And so it really comes down to like, okay, since in that seven months, we've seen like five dogs in our apartment, you know, like obviously that's the rule, but it's not enforced. So we're trying to justify this. Like it'd be okay. These people aren't hiding their dogs or anything. And so what it really came down to is the fact that our landlord told us, hey, you can't have dogs. And we have a relationship with our landlord. We have a friendship with our landlord. Like we've gotten coffee with him. He's asked about our family. We ask about his family when he see him. And we have a really good friendship with him. And so a couple days later, after, you know, we're, we're kind of ready to get this dog, it's like I'm, we're walking to our Tuesday prayer meeting at the office, and I'm like, Aja, what are you thinking about the dog? You know, I'm convicted. I'm like, I don't feel good about getting it. And she's like, yeah, let's get it. Let's do it. I feel good. <laughs> And so, like, we've talked about this, so it's okay that I share this. We're not stirring up any conflict or anything. And so, I'm like, I, really? Okay. I, okay, yeah. But do you really feel good about it? She's like, well, you just decide if we get it. So then I, I kind of felt that was like, okay, it's your responsibility. So if you decide we get the dog, then it's not my fault. It's your responsibility. And if we get caught, it's your fault. And so then I was like, okay. So let's not get the dog. And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, no, I don't feel good about it. We can't get the dog. And so it wasn't the fact that it was the rule that we couldn't have dogs at our apartment. But it was the fact that we had a relationship with our landlord. And we've heard it from him. And the question in my mind was like, are we going to honor the relationship we have with our landlord? And that was the, the ultimately the thing that brought the conviction and was like, no, I don't want to dishonor that relationship because that would be wrong. Like, I feel wrong about that. And God has called us to honor people. And so um, that's just kind of a funny story. And it's the one that got away because we didn't get the dog. So sad we didn't get the dog, but good we honored our landlord, right? So uh, moving on, I'm going to uh, hop into the verse that we're going to be looking at today. And it's in First Peter um, chapter 2, verse 17. Should be up there. Yeah, so I'm just going to read it. It's really short, really right to the point. Um, well, the heart of what I want to get at is in this, in this verse. And the first part is honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. And in some, and in some translations, love the brotherhood is translated as Love the family of believers. So love your brothers and sisters. Love everyone, everyone here. Fear God and honor the emperor. Um, so the first part of that verse is honor everyone. And many of us grew up thinking, or we, we think giving honor to those who deserve it. Right? I only honor honorable people. And the way we, we think that way, because we grew up learning that. 
I mean, you hear the phrases, give respect, get respect. Give honor, get honor. And some of us may have even learned that we have to earn love, or you only get love if you deserve it, sadly. And so the good thing about the kingdom of God is it's a lot of times opposite of what we grew up learning. And so we have to unlearn some things and come before God and say, okay, what do you say about honor? What do you say about love? And we have to know that Jesus honored and loved us even when we weren't deserving of it, right? We turned our back on God's. We dishonor people. But, but despite that, Jesus died for us and he honored and loved us when we were not deserving of it. And also, there's nothing we can do to earn God's love and honor. So there's no amount of good deeds. There's no amount of like, hundred-year-old ladies you can cross the street. There's nothing, there's no good thing you can do to earn God's love and honor. It's given freely by what He did for us on the cross. And I'm, I'm talking about this because the topic is honoring people, but 99%, I believe 99% of honoring other people is starting with knowing who you are in Jesus and knowing that Jesus has honored you and loved you and out of that, it's just an overflow into everyone you interact with of honoring people. So we're going to spend more time on how Jesus has honored us than practical tips to honor other people. There is a heart issue that needs to be worked out with Jesus because ultimately honor is a position of the heart towards Jesus, knowing that you're honored and loved by Him. And out of that, out of being filled up by Him, it's just an outpouring of who you are. So when you're honoring people, you're really just being yourself, right? Because you know, you know God's heart. God is love. When He loves people, He's just, lo- He's just being Himself. So if we have God's heart, if we're transformed by Him, then we're able to honor other people just simply out of who we are. So we're going to look at four ways of how Jesus has honored us. And the first one is, we are chosen people and royalty, We are chosen people and royalty. So think about when you choose something. Like what goes through your head? You want it, you desire it. You want that thing, you desire that thing. So when God chose us, He chose His people, He chose you individually. He wanted you, He desired you. desired a relationship with you. That's God's heart for us. And royalty, He makes us royalty. Like we don't have to go watch, you know, the the reality TV show of Prince Harry and Kate, you know, for, to get our sense of royalty, to fill our royalty tank, you know, we get it right from Jesus because He's honored us. He's made us kings and queens. And that's in, that's in 1 Peter 2.9, if you want to write that down and go back to that later. 1 Peter 2.9. Oh, it's up there. Perfect. Number two, He has seated us in the heavenly places with Himself. He has seated us in the heavenly places with Himself. I don't know if anything sounds more honoring than being where Jesus is all the time and living with Jesus all the time. And oftentimes this can sound kind of like He's he's lifted us up. He's elevated us above people, above everyone, and, and we're looking down on people. But that's actually the exact opposite of the true meaning of this verse of Ephesians 2.6. It's actually us being broken being sinful and, and recognizing our weakness and realizing that we need Jesus, the Savior, to come and renew us and to transform us. And out of that weakness, we're lifted up with Him so that then we can come down and ultimately live as Jesus lived. 
because he elevates us to be with him because he wants us to become like him so that we can come down and serve people because that's what Jesus did. He wants us to live like he did. And so he has seated us in the heavenly places with himself. The third one is we are his sons and daughters and also heirs. That's a big one. That's a huge one. Like we are his sons and daughters and also his heirs. Like we're the family of God. We're the children of God. And a lot of times in the Bible when it refers to like sons and daughters, it, it uses the word we're adopted as sons and daughters. And I, we've all heard, you know, the, the little story of like the kid who's adopted and then the, the natural birth son. And they're like, yeah, they were stuck with you, but they chose me. Right? And so that's the same thing. Like, God has adopted us into his family, and we're his family. We're his sons. And if we're his children, then we're heirs, heirs to a kingdom. Right? So we are sons and daughters, and we're also heirs, co heirs with Jesus to a kingdom that God wants to spread throughout the whole world, and he wants to use us in the middle of that. The fourth one is probably my favorite one that's that's had the biggest impact on me, is he has freed us forever from condemnation. And condemnation is a lot of times one of those words, it's like one of those Bible words that we say, but we really don't know what it means. It's just kind of one of those things we say, we use it, it feels good when we say it, yeah, I'm free from condemnation. But really, I looked up the meaning of condemnation, just Webster's, good old faithful Webster's, and it said, the meaning of, of condemnation is the ex- expression of very strong disapproval. So if you substitute disapproval for condemnation, he has freed us forever from disapproval. That hits a little more close to home, right? Because we've all felt disapproved by people, by our family, by coworkers, just by the world. We've all had maybe a chip on our shoulder that's saying, hey, you need to prove something. But we are freed forever from disapproval because of what Jesus did in honoring us and loving us and elevating us with him. Right? And so we are freed forever from disapproval because we are wholly approved by God, fully and completely. And so, yeah, that's how, that's how Jesus has honored us. And I really want us to, to like think about that and think about the implications that these have on our lives, that how Jesus honored us. And these, this is only four of many in the Bible that you can look up. And so I want us to be in that place of like, okay, I'm honored by Jesus. I'm loved by Jesus. And then I'm going to go on to this next idea um, that the phrase that I want to use is, I'm not going to let how much you honor me determine how much I honor you. Right? And that's often the hardest thing to do because... We talked about, we're, we're, we're taught, we learned that you only give honor, you only give respect to people who deserve it. But we're about to see that's not what Jesus did. And I first I have, a, I have a funny story. I literally have on my notes, tell funny crosswalk story. And so I'm going to do that. So it was right out here. Age and I were driving um, right on Bluemont um, going west. And there's that awkward crosswalk like that goes into Aggieville. cuts traffic right off, and I think it's, no matter how nice you're trying to be, it's incredibly stupid to stop for someone and to let them walk, because you interrupt the flow of traffic, and it's it's just stupid, like, I think it's so stupid, good intentions, but, you know, just don't do it, 
So we're, we're driving in the right lane, and there's a car in the left lane a little bit ahead of us, and they stop to let the per there's one guy about to cross, and so he starts crossing, so we're coming up, and I was like, well, I have to stop. I'm not going to hit this guy, okay? <laughs> so I stop, and <laughs> this guy is crossing, and there's another car behind AJ and I, and the guy behind us is like, don't bleeping stop there. And we're like, what the heck? Like, we had to stop here. And so the guy's crossing, and the guy gets to the other side of the street. He turns to the guy behind us, and he's like, I'm bleeping crossing the street, you bleep hole. <laughs> and so, so it was, it, we like watched this happen, and we were kind of upset because this guy was yelling at us, but we're like, what's going on? And so that's a horrible example of that interaction of honoring people, right? <laughs> Neither one of them honored each other. And... The, like, neither one of them. Horrible example, right? But the funny thing is, is Aja and I were driving away, and we felt honored because the guy who crossed was like, he's on our team. You know? <laughs> like, he's, he has our back. <laughs> and so we're like, just like driving away, you know? Like, seriously, that was our feeling. Like, it was silent for like five seconds. So I was like, Aja, that guy has our back. Like, he... <laughs> He is for us, you know, and so it just, it happened. It was a funny story, and yeah, so moving on now. The verse that I want to talk about here is uh, first, in 1 Peter 2, um, or yeah, it's in 1 Peter 2, uh, 20 through 23, just right after the 2.17, and it says, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable, or some translations say gracious instead of commendable. This is commendable or gracious before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His footsteps. So we're about to see the example of Jesus honoring someone, and we are, we are called to do the same thing. He, he committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. Not that part, because we've all sinned, and there is deceit in our mouths, especially the crosswalk guys. <laughs> but the, going on, it says, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. I'm not going to let how much you honor me determine how much I honor you. Right? And Jesus showed it. He left an example. It says it right there. Leaving you an example that you should follow in His footsteps. I'm not going to let how much you honor me determine how much I honor you. No matter how you treat me, no matter how you behave towards me, no matter how much you insult me, no matter how much you annoy me, it's not going to affect me because I can fully manage myself. I can fully be grounded in the person I am in Jesus Christ, and I can be powerful right. in this relationship that I'm not going to dishonor you no matter how much you dishonor me. It's a choice. It's something that Jesus showed us and Jesus wants us to get. It's backwards from what we learned. It's flip-flopped. Because we're in the kingdom of God and God wants us to be powerful individuals in the kingdom of God. And that's living the way that Jesus lived. And oftentimes, honor is tested in failure because it's easy to honor someone who performs well. Yeah? 
It's easy to honor someone who performs well. But honor is tested in failure because it's a position of our hearts. Remember, it's a position of our hearts towards God and towards people. That's just an overflow of who we are into honoring other people. So I can be completely me wherever I go, and I begin to create a culture of honor wherever I find myself to be, whatever team I'm on. I can completely be me wherever I go. And, and we begin to create a culture of honor, and that's really important because as leaders, you're creating a culture. Whether that be in your, in your workplace, uh, in your neighborhood, in your circle of friends, um, at church, in your family, that's a big one. We're, we're, like you're creating a culture. Whether it be a culture of honor or not, that, I don't know. That's how, you, that's how you're conducting yourself. But God wants us to create a culture of honor wherever I find myself to be, whatever team I'm on. And ultimately, that's how you help your team win. And I mean, some of us might be in, in different situations at our work or whatever where you're surrounded by people who, who aren't believers. They don't have maybe the same mindset as, as you. And I think that's a great place to be. Like That's, that's where we want to be. That's where this concept of honor and what Jesus did shines the most. That's where, that's where Jesus calls us to be because it's easy to honor people that like you and you like them and, are, and are, you're similar and you're, it's easy to get along with, but it's hard to honor the people that annoy you. It's hard to honor the people that don't believe the same things as you. But God wants us to create a culture of honor wherever we go. So that we are being the powerful people influencing the people around us. So God has honored us or elevated us to be co-laborers with Jesus. And in that we become powerful and responsible in this relationship. Because of the honor that the Lord has given to us. Like that's amazing. We're elevated to be peer level with Jesus. To be co-laborers with him. Like just think about that. That's amazing. You are a high-ranking individual in the kingdom, and you have the power to give honor. All right? You are a high-ranking individual in the kingdom of God, and you have the power to give honor. Because when you're free, when you know who you are in Jesus, freedom brings the responsibility for me to be me no matter how you treat me. And you are then given the kingdom of God and the power to give honor. And I kind of mentioned... Um, the, the part about, you know, your family, being on the team with your family, and uh, we're doing champ camp right now, and the whole idea and, and big push for that is helping your family win at being a family. And so I want to mention this, this, one of the, these, this is one of the Ten Commandments, and I'm sure a lot of us have heard it, um, and it's honor your father and mother. And um, it's not like, it's not for all the father and mothers to tell this to their kids, like, this is how you do it, this is what you're supposed to do, and it's not for the kids to, like, hate this rule and be like, God, I don't want to do that, I just want to rebel, I want to do what I want to do. That's not what God intended when he gave this commandment. God intended for a culture of honor to be inherited by you and passed through generations upon generations of your family. He wants to fully transform your family with a culture of honor. And so your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids are honoring each other, are honoring their father and mother through generations upon generations. We have to, we have to expand our minds beyond just what we see in the life we're living now. Guys, we're leaving a legacy. 
We're leaving something behind with our families and whatever team we're on. We're leaving something behind, and we want to leave a culture of honor. So um, to finish up here, it's pretty. It's, it's a quick one. I told you, <laughs> doing good. Um, there's two obstacles to honoring people, and yeah, there they are. The first one is fear or insecurity, fear slash insecurity. And this has a huge, this plays a huge factor in how we honor people. And I remember um, when I was in high school, um, probably freshman through senior, uh, all four years of high school, um, I, was, I was a huge partier, and I loved, I loved getting drunk, I loved partying, and I didn't know who Jesus was. And um, at first when I, when I would drink, and party, it became something like, yeah, this is fun. I'm just like being social. This is great. But as I got further and further and further into it, it became something that I, I depended on. And I started realizing that I was so insecure about who I was that I needed a substance to mask that. I needed a substance to mask my personality. And so I needed something to make me social, something to help me interact with people just because I was so fearful of what people thought and I was so insecure. I couldn't fully be me around other people because I didn't know what Jesus had done for me. And so I couldn't actually honor people the way that God wanted me to honor people because I was so insecure about who I was. And I'm sure we've all struggled with insecurity and fear to some extent in our lives, whether you needed substance to mask it or it's just it's something else in your life. We've all struggled with it. And fear blocks or hinders um, our ability to honor other people. Uh, the second one is control. And it goes hand in hand with fear. And it's funny when you mention control, because I feel like whenever I see the word, I'm trying to control that I don't struggle with control <laughs> in my life, you know? And everyone's like, uncomfortable. Like, I don't struggle with control. No, that's not me. <laughs> But really, we all do. My wife could tell you I do, for sure. Fear begets control in relationships. The result of fear is control. Because when we try and control our lives, or we can try and control other people, it's because we are insecure and somehow we feel inferior to other people. So we feel like we need to control them control the situation or control the person to somehow make our, ourselves feel better, ourselves feel more secure in who we are, right? Yeah. And everyone, like, kind of relate to that. You don't have to shake your head, just I want it to be in our hearts because I think that's a real thing. Like, it is a real thing. So we begin to get our identity from our status among the people around us, like how we measure up, um, our giftings, our talents, how much money we make, how we look. We start to get our status or our identity from the people around us. But it's really a false status. Because if we knew who we were in Jesus, we could fully be ourselves. And instead of controlling people, we can now honor them. Right? God wants to free us up. We don't have to control people to somehow feel superior. Because he wants us to honor people. He doesn't want us to control people. He doesn't want us to feel the need to control people because he wants us to be living so freely with him. Like what Sharon said about um, just enjoying God. Like I, I, I feel like I just walk around, not all the time, but I feel like I walk around and I can just enjoy Jesus and being with him. 
and just the person that he is. And he wants that for everyone here. There's a thing that I heard one time. It's some theological thing. I can't remember who said it. But it's like, basically the whole purpose of a human's life is to know God and enjoy Him forever. That's it. Like, if we do that, this comes easily. If we know what Jesus did for us, this comes easily. Because we have God's heart. God's heart is love for people. He loves people. And He doesn't have to show His love because He is love. And so when He's loving someone, He's just being Himself. And so when we have that heart, the same heart of God, we're doing the same thing that He's doing. We're just loving people. Right? So I have a few questions to end here um, that you guys can write down or just ponder on. And the first one is, have I been wrecked by the honor that Jesus has shown me? Has it sunken deep into my heart? Have I been wrecked by the honor that Jesus has shown me? We have to have an experience with Jesus. We have to have an encounter with Him. We have to. It's, it's necessary. And we have to let it sink in, sink into our hearts. Number two, what team or teams am I currently on? So thinking through church, work, um, just your friend group, uh, maybe people you're trying to reach out to, you're trying to invite to church, um, your family, that's a huge one. That's a very important one. And number three, how can I create a culture of honor in my relationships or on my teams? How can I create a culture of honor in my relationships and on my teams? All right. I made it. (laughs) Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we can get on with the next part of the service. So, God, we just, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, I pray that it wouldn't just be a head knowledge or something we've, we've learned um, throughout our lives, that you love us, God, it's what the Bible says, but that it really sinks into our hearts, that Jesus has honored us in the most ultimate way, that he has lifted us up. God, you are so good, and I just pray that as we, as we let this message just sink in, that it would, it would create change in our lives. It would create transformation. God, it might make some, a lot of us uncomfortable, but that's a good place to be with you, Jesus, because we can enjoy you and we can rejoice in the transformation that you're bringing us, Lord. So we thank you for these things. I thank you for all the people here and just the, the work that you're doing in their life, God. You love them so much. And um, I pray that we would just be open Uh, to a continuing feeling, uh, filling and honor of your love so that we can honor and love people the way that you intended us to honor people, God. In Jesus' name, amen.